Hey, thanks for joining me on the podcast again. Today's podcast is dedicated to a great friend of mine who unfortunately went to be with the Lord this week, Milton M. Walker. Milton was a great guy. He was a great man of God, uh, but he was also so down to earth. He wouldn't beat you over the head with things. He spoke to you like a human being. He loved everybody. He loved having a good time. Always loved showing his pearly whites and had a smile on his face. And so were the rest of the crew that he hung out with. He rode with the Harvest Motorcycle Ministry. And they did a lot of great things, a lot of great charity rides. And they were everywhere. So again, I wanted to say, miss you, my friend. Miss seeing you. And we'll ride again someday. But, hey, so is life. Um... I'm losing a lot of people nowadays, (laughs) and um, it's a part of life. It's not a bad thing. So again, may may he remain warm in the bosom of God till we see each other again. Milton, miss you, buddy. If you blinked, you missed it. All the way from Animal House Studios in the chilly Hudson Valley, you're listening to The Cycle Shack Podcast. Ho, ho, ho! What's happening, Motorheads? Thanks for joining me again. I kind of screamed that into the microphone there without anything finishing. Today's Thursday, February 24th. Haven't been on for a while, but that's okay. I'm on now. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for downloading that podcast. If you're listening on Apple, don't forget to rate us. Give me a rating on the podcast. Tell me what you think about it, good, bad, or ugly. Tell me about it so that we know how to place the podcast with Apple. Uh, If you're listening on the home platform, anchor.fm, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, anchor.fm. If you have not downloaded Anchor.fm, what are you waiting for? Whether you're a content creator or you like listening to your favorite podcast, it's quick, fast, and it's free and easy. So go to Anchor.fm and join right now. What are you waiting for? Also, I'd like to thank Harris Heller on uh, Stream Beats by Harris Heller, who provided the music for this podcast. He provides uh, free uh, uh, music for all content creators to use without having to worry about getting sued for using music. All right. I'm going to move on, man. I got a nice little show for you here, a couple of things to talk about. And like I said, man, it's Thursday, the 20, what did I say it was? The 24th of February. It's a cold Thursday night. Yesterday was 60 degrees. Actually, what it almost hit 65. It was about 62, 63 up in the uh, Hudson Valley. I know in New York City they were saying it was like 65, but it didn't quite get that that warm up here. But it was warm enough. Uh, a lot of people were taking their bikes out, man. And, hey, that's all good. All good. But I don't have a garage. So if I f- start up my bike, it's because, you know, my bike sits out in the cold, not out in the element. But... It's in cover. It's in a, what do you call that? A tarped type shed. One of those uh, like Harbor Freight shed in a box type deals where it's a tarp shaped like a house. And I have the cover over it. I have power out there. I ran a nice weatherproof cord and I got my tender, etc. 
but for the most part, it stays dry, but it's cold. So I don't want to fire the bike up, take the winterization out of it, and go for a ride to come back to, I'd have to wash it down. Because again, the salt was still in the streets. The snow was melting everywhere. Uh, there were puddles. I didn't want to get the salt in. I know a lot of people that ride that have garages just get back to their garages. They throw their bike up on a stand and they wipe it down. I don't have the time for that, especially out in the cool weather. Uh, when you ride out in those 60-degree days, when you get back and it's past 4 or 5 o'clock, it's back down in the 30s and 20s again like it was yesterday. It was, I want to say at 7.30 p.m., it was already 23 degrees out. Yep. That's what sucks. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, yeah. So, a couple of things to talk about in the motorcycle world. Before I do, I got something I want to read that I just found while I was uh, tinkering around with uh, while I was tinkering with, with, with you know Facebook. I put a couple of pictures up on Facebook before I start. I listen to music just to kind of get the the juices flowing, the creative juices flowing and going. And I came across something that was published for immediate release on February 22nd, 2020 from the New York City Department of Environmental Protection. Okay. Excuse me. Like always, I didn't bring water with me into the studio. It sucks. And like always, I didn't queue up my uh, studio here the right way. Uh, So, you know what? We'll leave it as is and away it goes. At a, a roadside sound meter, check this out, in New York City, a roadside sound meter and camera that is activated by loud mufflers now sending notices to vehicle owners. Let me turn this sideways here so I can read this. That didn't help. Uh, no way. All right, bear with me, folks. The New York City Department of Environmental Protection, DEP, today announced that a small pilot program is underway that includes the use of a roadside sound meter and camera to capture evidence of vehicles emitting noise in violation of New York State's vehicle and traffic law and the city's noise code. Vehicles that emit obnoxious levels of noise in violation of the state and city law have become top quality of life concern for many New Yorkers. And this technology offers some real promise in helping us provide some relief for our neighbors. We will monitor the pilot program closely and see if it continues to show promise. And we will look to expand in the coming months. The sound meter and cameras will be installed adjacent to the roadway and are activated when they detect a noise decibel oh when they detect a noise distance of 50 feet and registers at above 85 decibels well <laughs> uh, yeah I happen to clock my mufflers at about 140 decibels. So if this is going to start clocking you at 85, well, there's going to be a lot of bikes that are supposedly going to get ticketed. I don't know. Let's see how they enforce this, man. Wow. Good luck. (laughs) Ah. So 
what everybody else was already talking about, and it's been probably covered and beaten to death on every podcast, every video podcast, every person uh, uh, who's checked them out. You've already seen it, Marvel Kid 87, uh, uh, Cycle, Fanatics. They're all covering the new Harley Davidson. Uh, I, I, On my notes, I showed that the dealer reveal was uh, this week, but January 23rd was a dealer reveal, actually a month from the date this podcast is released. And I looked at it, and you know what? Everyone's commenting on it, and my thoughts of the 2022 bikes being released you know what? I, I think they're good. I think they were, they did a good thing, Harley-Davidson. Why? They're taking some bikes away. I think they shouldn't have taken away the Sport Clyde, but I understand why they did it. But I honestly think that the Sport Clyde should have came out as the Diner Lowrider S. Uh, ST looks like. So the Dyna Lowrider ST model, that should have been the Sport Glide because if you look at the original Sport Glide from what is it, the late 70s, early 80s, it looked like what the Dyna, the Dyna, hear me, the Dyna, the Dyna ST looked like with the fairing. But anyway, I'm getting too ahead of myself. The Sport Glide was a great bike and they, they discontinued it. Sucks. Uh, my wife has a 2021, which is now the last year that came out for it. They'll still be making parts for it, of course, because it's a soft tail. Many universal parts that fit it, but the bike itself was discontinued. So, that being said, they came out with the new 2022 Street Glide ST and Road Glide ST. Um, Love the concept, because the whole concept between those bikes are, instead of getting the CVO line with all the bells, whistles, and trinkets, what they did was they came out with the Street Glide and Road Glide ST, which is a performance bagger uh, edition, right? Where it's not your average factory bagger. The bags are raised up so you can corner a lot better, similar to what the Battle of the Baggers bikes were. And it's cool because it comes with the 117 motor. It comes with the exhaust already. It comes with the intake, okay, and and that's dynamite. You get a lot of bang for your buck at almost thirty grand, twenty nine nine ninety nine. Yeah, I even a dollar more and it's thirty thousand. Well, yeah, it's priced right. The CVO models are going for almost fifty grand, between forty five and forty eight grand. This is coming in at, at at just under thirty grand, so that's not bad because you're. You're getting what you pay for at this point without going crazy with the CVO stuff. So I think that's a good thing, and I think Harley hit the jackpot with that to keep the baggers alive. The next thing is you've got the um, the Dyna, the new Dyna Lowrider, uh, uh, Lowrider S, I'm sorry, and the Lowrider ST, which came out with the Sport Glide saddlebags, hard saddlebags that are removable. And came out with the old school FXRT fairing, which is fine. I do think it's priced well as well. That is coming in. The ST is coming in at, I believe it was $21,999. That is not a bad price for that bike. Not a bad price. And I think for another thousand, they'll throw in a dynamite amplified Bluetooth stereo system. Uh, I'm sorry, Bluetooth speaker system that you can hook up your phone to and listen to some dynamite tunes while you ride. So 
I think that bike is priced phenomenally well. I think Harley hit a home run with it. I know a lot of people aren't into it, but there is a big, big following. There have been a lot of people buying those fairings and hooking them up on diners. So Harley said, let's let's jump to it and give the people what they want. They're listening a little bit. Are they quite there? Not really. They still have a lot to go, but they're listening. They're they're a, a, a good step in the right direction, and I appreciate that. They're 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 listening. You know what I mean? They really are listening. Apparently, at the end of the reveal, they mentioned that there will be another addition to the Sportster lineup. Of course, the sport, the 2022 Sportster S is going to be out, but apparently, there's some new item to the Sportster line that they're putting out. I hope and pray that they took the uh, the Revolution Max engine and threw it on an old school Sportster frame. I hope they did that because they'll technically be bringing it back to Sportster with today's with the new engine technology. I know a lot of people wouldn't like that because they're messing up the sporty. But you know what? I I, I would like to see it just like I would like to see a bagger with that same Revolution Max engine, liquid-cooled. It's it's going in that direction, guys. It's going that way. Emissions are not going to let air-cooled bikes survive much longer. I mean, hell, 2023 is going to be the last year of the V8 engine, and it's Dodge that's going to be allowed to produce it. The last of the V8 engines is coming out in 2023, which is going to be a Dodge engine. They're letting Dodge come out with it. That's going to suck because, again, emissions is just calling for it. They're not allowing them to build these big gas-guzzling engines anymore, no matter how much they scale them back to to, to be more fuel-saving. Fuel, uh, 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 <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the... The engines are being dialed back to V6s and four-cylinders in some cases. Today's pickup trucks are coming V6 with turbos, unfortunately. Now, that's cool, but to put a trailer, I'm sorry. That ain't cutting it. But anyway, we'll leave it at that. So the dealer reveal, in my in my opinion, good, good things. Uh, loved it. They say that there are a few more bikes coming out in the second half of the season. So hopefully that's like in maybe May or June. We'll get to look at some more new bikes. And hopefully they they keep on the same path and give us a nice wow. So, again, everybody's beating this subject to death. I think I threw my two cents in, and that's the way I feel about it. And that's all I have to say about that. The famous thing that everybody's taking care of right now, and it's going to be me pretty soon, I want to say in another two to three weeks, when it's like, you know, fairly warm every day you know all i need is about a good 45 to 55 degrees every day and uh yeah i start taking the cover off the bike i wash them down and uh yeah i go over the pre-ride checklist i go over the uh pulling your bike out of storage deal and wanted to mention some tips about when you pull your bike out of storage things that you should be doing um, it's pretty much going in reverse of when you put it into storage, right? You're going to check for everything. So hopefully when you put it into storage, you wash the bike down, you polished it, 
Um, you gave it an oil change. You you tuned it up. You got it ready to ride. You winterized your fuel, filled it to the gills, uh, uh, treated the fuel properly, of course, and um, polished her up, threw a nice cover on it, either remove the battery and bring it indoors or, or bring it and put it on the tender. So all those things you want to check in the reverse order when you're pulling the bike out. You know, aside from a couple of other maintenance things that you want to do. All right, you want to perform an initial inspection, right? And this is all according to uh, Myers, Harley-Davidson. Myers during Harley-Davidson, I'm sorry. This is an article published February 27, 2019. Taking your motorcycle out of storage. So perform an initial inspection. First walk around your bike and examine its exterior. You're looking for any noticeable damage that might have been missed when you put it in storage or may have happened while in storage. Maybe your car dinged it as you parked or it fell over and someone picked it back up and put it back so you wouldn't notice it, right? Um, so, you know, these are all things you want to take a look at. Check and replace your fluids, okay? Very important. If you haven't gotten an oil change, which I don't recommend storing your bike with the same dirty oil that you had from the previous season. I mean, a lot of people, I, I mean, me, I change my oil mid-season, uh, just cause, and it's not or do. I just do it anyway because it's hey, the cleaner the engine oil, the right. It can't hurt the bike. Um, but if you rat, rode a whole season with your oil, which is okay, and you decide to leave it in the bike over the winter, that's not cool because it builds an acidic, an acidity that can just you know wear away. Uh, either way, I just change it. But you should check and replace your fluids. After looking the bike over, uh, change your oil filter, change your spark plugs, uh, take a look at your spark plug wires. Are they okay? Uh, take some dielectric grease after you change the spark plugs, pop them inside the uh, on the edge of the spark plugs and pop your wires back on. That way you got a good connection with your spark plugs and your wires. Dielectric grease. Don't go and sticking some freaking bearing grease on it. Ain't going to work. Dye electric grease. That way there's still some electrical continuity between the spark plug wire and the spark plug. Remove the dipstick. Wipe it down. Insert it again. Check your engine. Check the uh, engine oil. Check the color of your oil. If it flows smoothly and looks reasonably translucent, you're good to go. Hey, you know what? When in doubt, just change it. All right. Uh, examine your tires and your brakes. Since the tires of your motorcycle hold it up and support it while it has you on the highway, it's vital that they're in good condition, right? So you wanted to make sure when you put your bike away that you had the right tire pressures on to make sure that your tires stay good throughout the winter. So you want to check them down as well. Now's a good time to check and see if your tires are worn. Maybe consider getting a new set of tires and popping them on, or if they're in good condition, examining them, double-checking them, making sure they're good, check your tire pressures, and if they're low, bring them up to the right pressure. All right? Um, I tend to keep my tires a little bit to the to their max, almost max potential, only because, one, I'm a heavy rider, and, two, you just get better miles per gallon, and the bike just steers a lot better when the tires are just slightly firmer. And I don't mean by a whole lot. Um, 
my tires on my bike call for between 42 and 44 PSI. I tend to stay on the 44 PSI side. That's just me. I like a firmer tire. And again, I don't overdo it. I just keep it firmer. I lean very low on my turns. And I, I, I tend to do tight turns. So a, a firmer, more filled tire tends to work better for me. And I flow through the turns a lot easier. You want to make sure your brakes are in good conditions. Um, Harley-Davidson's, especially nowadays, the brake pads, even when they're new, look thin. So, again, know your brake pads. Know what you have. Uh, you want to make sure that you have enough meat on them. If you got enough meat on them to last you half the season, then no sense in changing a pad that still has some life on it. But know where you're at, okay? And when in doubt, just change it. Brake pads are cheap enough to buy a set pop them on or take it to your local Harley Davidson or local mechanic to get serviced. Want to check your brake fluid? Okay. What's your condition of your brake fluid? Usually brake fluids change out every two years. Um, if it's good, you're good to go. When in doubt, take it in and get serviced. Uh, you know, things like that, like brake pads, I don't even think twice about it. If I changed them last season, and I know they're good, and I changed them mid-season last season, I'm just going to inspect them and move on, only because I know they still got meat on them. And you know what? The type of rider that I am, it's not that I don't check my brake pads. I still check them. I don't slack on that. But I know my brake pads will be well. Why? I rarely use my brakes to stop. You're probably like, what the fuck are you talking about, Ivan? Yeah, those of you that ride... And, and are used to long trips, I downshift a lot, you know? So I anticipate conditions, I downshift, and I engine brake up until the point that I have to gear down to first gear to bring me down low enough. And all I do is feather the front brakes ever so slightly, pull my leg out, stop, done. Done. So I save a lot of wear and tear on the brake pads. But anyway, uh, make sure your brake pads are in great shape. Etc. Another thing you want to do is um, if you have throttle cables, I have a, it, you pay $8.99 for it on Amazon. It's a little container that holds about 8 to 10 ounces of your favorite type of oil. I normally take 3-in-1 oil um, or like a graphite oil. And it's a needle valve. It looks like a needle. It's an oil, uh, 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 it's a little oil canister. It's made of plastic with a needle on it. And I normally take that. I have one filled with like a graphite oil that I put for the, uh, for like my wife's sporty that has a throttle cable. And I'll squeeze it into the throttle cable line. That way it flows down and just lubricates that throttle cable. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it makes it so much easier, so much looser. I also take that same container with the needle valve on it, or the needle spout, I call it, and I put three-in-one oil in one canister, and I use that for my saddlebag locks, for my key lock on the ignition, and to oil little little points, uh, my, my saddlebag, the hinges, I oil it with that. And, you know, the needle helps it get into those hard-to-reach spots, and it works out very, very well. So you want to oil your little points on the bike. If you have a bagger, you know, you want to oil your saddlebag hinges, your saddlebag locks, 
your trunk lock if you have a trunk, your key ignition lock, etc. Little, just a little dab. Don't go crazy. Stick your key in, open and close it. Uh, Harley Davidson has the ignition where it's shaped like a teardrop in the front, and it's got the round key which nobody really uses. And I just throw a little oil on there just to make sure it's all good, lubed up, etc. Ain't gonna hurt. Another thing I do is uh, I obviously wash and detail the bike. And this is important for me because what I do is I throw the bike at a lift and I will wash the bike down. I will strip it down, take the saddlebags out, take everything off it and wash the bike down. I'll wash it, dry it, and then I will take a rag, a dry rag, and wipe it with some spray polish all over the place. And as I do, it's given me a chance to get more intimate with the bike and look at anything that I need to check for cracks, cracks in the frame, and anything crazy that I need to look at. I do it then. Uh, I also take advantage and uh, fasteners that I know should you know I should check, sort of like my brake caliper fasteners. I tend to just go over the torquing on them. To make sure that those things are good and tight, you know, German German uh, torque specs, good and tight. Make sure nothing's backing up on you, coming loose. That's the time to check everything. Take a wrench to it. Make sure it's good and tight. When in doubt, take it into your local motorcycle dealership and have it serviced and looked at. Uh, but again, it's cheap insurance, simple enough for you to do. Those are the things that you really maybe want to do when you start taking your bike out of storage. You also want to check your battery, by the way. If your battery was not in a battery tender, you want to check your battery and make sure it's good. Um, the best thing to do, though, is if you are going to put your bike into winter storage, put a battery tender. Excuse me. Keep a battery tender on it. Okay? And the batteries tend to last a lot longer when you use a tender, period. It keeps that constant float voltage high, regulates it, and then shuts it down. And when it needs it, it gives it to it again. Awesome little thing to have. 40 bucks. Um, cheap insurance. And that's it, man. You're pretty much ready to ride at that point once you've checked all of that. Again, it's a good idea to wipe the bike down, wash it down. Now's your chance to clean it, detail it, and get it all pretty to ride. All right. So we're going to be doing that soon, obviously. And I got to do it to three bikes. My wife has two bikes and I got my bag, my bike, my bagger, my big boy. So another thing to mention is when you're riding this year, okay, um, a lot of people, you know, bike theft is on the rise. Let me tell you, that's all I've been reading is about bike theft lately. And, you know, when you go to like a Sturges or Laconia or even a Daytona Bike Week, which is coming up, by the way, what, next week or the week after? My headsets keep conking out here. I hate that because I, I can't monitor my audio. Anyway, when uh, you tend to go to these motorcycle rallies, when you park, a lot of people take for granted their their bike and where they leave it. And, you know, everybody locks their bike. But. I'm talking about protecting your bike from actual theft. 
Um, I too am guilty of when I go on these long distance trips and we pull into the hotel, uh, whether it's a Hampton Inn or a Doubletree Inn or whatever, whatever the heck, you know, hotel we're staying at. You know, we all park in the group together and it's 10, 20 bikes all together in a group bunched up. We all park in front of each other, block each other off and make it like a huge maze so people can't mess with our bikes. But, we, you know, I do it myself. I tend to that little teardrop ignition key thing. If you turn it all the way to the left and push it down, it locks your steering wheel and you lock it with the key. I tend to, I hate to say it, I don't normally lock it. And so does anyone else that owns a Harley, right, that I've seen. Um, you might want to take a few more things to just, you know, listen, it's like a car. The more shit you got on it that you have to try to get through, the less appealing it is for a thief to get to it. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, if they want it, they're going to get it. Well, no, if they have to go through World War Three or Mission Impossible to get your bike, they're not going to do it and move on to the next bike that doesn't have that. They don't have to do that, too. It's just that plain simple. All right. Um, you kind of got to think like a thief a little bit. And if it gets a little more difficult for you, you move on. What am I talking about? Well, you might want to lock that 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 handlebar lock. OK, that's the first step. Make sure you don't lose your key, but lock that handlebar lock. OK. Um, another thing you want to do when you walk away from your bike is if you have some kind of alarm systems, Harley-Davidson's do, make sure the alarm comes on and it's working, okay? Um, another couple of things, 10 best things, uh, motorcycle anti-theft devices. Now, here's the deal. <clears throat> These are things that you can buy even on Amazon, okay? They're just that cheap, all right? The number one thing you can do is a motorcycle disc brake lock, Okay, most thieves see that they keep walking because those things are hard to pry open. You have to damage the disc in order to get to it. They don't want to do that. They want the bike in roll away condition so they can start it up and move or roll it up into a truck. And if it's not movable, they don't want anything to do with it. So your steering column lock. Okay, along with maybe a motorcycle anti uh, disc brake lock is cheap insurance. You also have the uh, handlebar motorcycle lock. <clears throat> now, what this does is that it takes your brake and it you squeeze your brake and clamp this lock onto it and it keeps your brake engaged, locked and engaged so that the bike will not move so that that with a with a, a disc brake lock and your steering column lock hey time to move on we ain't touching it okay um a gps tracking system now you're probably figuring what in the shit am i going to do with that why would i spend money on that well not for nothing you can spend a couple of bucks and those apple you know most people have apple phones and they're these little fobs that come now that are gps's okay that you use the Find Me app on your phone, and you could take that and throw it on your bike somewhere. Like if you have a, a motorcycle and you have a trunk like I do, you can take the rug, peel it back, and slip it in there. It takes the same type of battery that your your Harley key fob takes, that, that CR2032 battery that we all love buying at the pharmacy because our, our key fobs fucking run out on us. Excuse the French, just had to. 
and and you've got GPS. So if they get past everything, you can at least get some GPS coordinates on your bike. You can also, another thing is, invest in a bike alarm. <clears throat> now, not only the Harley alarm, I'm talking about you can buy for 40, 50 bucks a bike alarm that you attach to your bike, hardwire it. It comes with its own fob, and just like a car, you just... <laughs> Bad example, but you know what I mean. Alarm on, alarm activated, alarm deactivated. It's just that simple. It's got a high hundred and something decibel alarm that you'll hear from wherever you're at in the hotel. Cheap insurance, man. Um, And even, you know, motorcycle chain locks. I mean, again, depending on your situation, I personally wouldn't go that crazy. But if you're with a buddy... And you can go uh, front wheel to front wheel, and you take this chain lock and you wrap it around both front wheels. It comes with padding, uh, so that you're not going to damage the wheels. You know, you're not going to scratch or scuff them. Uh, again, the two bikes are together. It's not going to go anywhere. So again, cheap insurance. So a lot of people are thinking, you know, those are just some ideas that you can do to protect your bike. And a lot of people are probably saying, well, you know, these rallies, you know, bikers respect bikers and bikers, you know, <clears throat> usually. And I got a friend of mine that tells me the good thing is when you go to like uh, America or Laconia, bikers respect of each other, you know, each other's bikes and property. You know, a biker knows not to touch another man, another biker's bike. Well, that is true. And there's no buts about it. There really isn't any thievery amongst real bikers that are there to have a good time and et cetera. But you do have your riffraff, your bandits, your all-around dirtbags that go to these rallies specifically on motorcycle hunts. They're going and they're looking for a specific bike and they're after it. Okay? And they're not bikers. They're thieves. And it happens. It's on the rise, folks. So cheap insurance. Those things that I mentioned, quick and easy to do, and you can protect your bike. You put at least at least two of the things I mentioned, and you're good to go. Hey, I mean, if I'm going into a hotel and I'm going to hunker down for the night, I could at least put a disc brake lock. Now, if you get a disc brake lock, you want to make sure you get the one that has that little rope, that, that fluorescent color rope that goes to your handlebar so you can remember that you have the lock on it and you don't try to ride off with it and injure yourself and damage your bike. Uh, so remember, if you have the wheel lock on it, okay? Um, but if you got the wheel lock and you got that little alarm, hey, you know what? Why not? Peace of mind. At least for me it would be. So what do we got here? Another reveal came out, and this was like, a couple of days ago. So Harley made their big spectacle on their dealer reveal, et cetera, et cetera. Who else came out with a new bike? Well, Indian Motorcycles, of course. Indian Motorcycles, uh, if this thing does not open up, okay, I agree. Let me read. Indian Motorcycle came out with the 2022 Indian Pursuit. A few podcasts ago, I mentioned that there was sort of like a blueprint design for the Indian Pursuit Limited and Pursuit Dark Horse. Well, these bikes are supposed to be like Indian's answer to the road glide. Um, well, 
the chieftain is supposed to be the answer to uh, the street glides. And the challenger was supposed to be the answer to the road glide. But now they're saying this pursuit is really the answer to the road glide. So I want to say first and foremost that the Indian pursuit looks no different than the Indian challenger. I am so sorry. It's just a more dressed up Indian challenger. Indian motorcycle defied the bagger status quo when it released the liquid cooled uh, challenger in 2020. The firm wasted little time proving the Power Plus V-Twins performance potential with a victory at the inaugural King of Baggers Invitational. Hardly whipped their ass this year, let me tell you. But anyway, I digress. Or last year, because it was 2021. Excuse me. Uh... In 2022, Indian is back for a second helping, but this time the company takes the Challenger's winning formula and adds a dash of grand touring pedigree with its new Indian Pursuit models for 2022. So they are the Indian Challenger, just more uh, touring-like. Powered by the same 108 cubic inch liquid-cooled Power Plus V-Twin found in the Challenger, the new Pursuit Limited and Pursuit Dark Horse pump out 122 horsepower and 128 foot-pounds of torque at the crank. While the Pursuit and the Challenger share the same power figures, Indian engineers have redefined the power delivery for improved low-speed drivability. The similarities don't end there. The Pursuit's frame-mounted fairing comes over the same blocky design language that made the Challenger such an eye-catcher. However, Indian's design team adds extra wind protection to the new long-distance tour in the form of a lower leg fairing and tall adjustable windscreen. The team further enhances that cushy cockpit with a touring comfort seat, heated grips, and heated grips, excuse me, Combined with the Pursuit's new power-locking cargo trunk, total storage capacity with saddlebags increases to 35 gallons of capacity, enabling long-haul travelers to embark on far-flung adventures. Tech also improves in the cockpit accommodations with a 7-inch TFT display an Indian's ride command system putting Apple CarPlay and turn-by-turn GPS navigation at the rider's fingertips. Both the Pursuit and the Dark Horse and, oh, I'm sorry, both the Pursuit Dark Horse and Pursuit Limited come with complimentary one-year ride command and access, including live traffic, weather map overlays, and the brand's new vehicle locator. You know, I personally hate the fact that you would have to pay for a membership to use a GPS system or else it's not going to work right or have all the features. That sucks ass. Anyway, for customers fully committed to pounding the pavement, Indian also offers a premium package for both pursuit variants. The top of the line trim adds electronically adjustable Fox rear shocks. That's cool enabling riders to adapt suspension to various loads directly from the infotainment control system. Now, that's cool. That I like. The electronic preload system is standard on all premium trim pursuits, and the feature can be added as an upgrade to any Challenger from Indian's parts and accessories catalog. Let's get to the nitty-gritty here. 
along with the Spec Up Fox Mono Shock. The premium package includes a Bosch 6 Access IMU that manages cornering, traction control, and lean sensitivity ABS, as well as a heated seat and integrated lower-fairing driver lights. So they took the driving lights that you would normally have on like a street glide. You have your main headlight. I know I have them. And then you got your two side driving lights on the sides of the headlight. Well, what Indian did was they put them on the fairing lowers on the bottom so that they look like they light up the road in front of you. Not a bad idea, okay? I personally, too, have been thinking about adding extra LED lights at the lower end of my fairings because I think the more lighting I have, the more functional lighting. I didn't want to put LED lights, you know, and what I mean by LED lights are the LED accent lights to accent the motorcycle to make it look like it's glowing when you ride. I don't want that. I want functional. I want the road to light up. So aside from my LED high output headlight, and uh, 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 driving lights, I also want an additional set of road lights to light up the road. I also want to put some facing down. Again, rider functionability. If I stop somewhere and I put my leg down, I can see without a shadow of a doubt where my legs are or where my feet are planted. I can look down at the road. They would also serve function as if I have to make a repair on the road, you know. So that's something that I would like to see on a motorcycle. But anyway, let's finish this off with the chrome finishes. Uh, with the chrome finishes, the Pursuit Limited retails for twenty nine 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 nine, while the Pursuit Dark Horses satin black accents raise the MSRP to thirty nine ninety nine. In the premium package form, the Pursuit Limited jumps to $32,999, while the Pursuit Dark Horse's sticker price increases to $33,999. So, again, this is proof that regardless of whether you buy Indian or Harley, you're still going to pay that tax, man. You're still going to pay it. And let me tell you that whether, again, Indian parts are just as expensive, if not more expensive than Harley Davidson. I'm not saying that as a pot shot towards Indian. What I'm trying to show you here is that in the American motorcycle market, it doesn't matter what you get. It's all expensive. It's all high priced. Now that's due to market and, you know, COVID and the way things are nowadays. But even aside from all that, before COVID, all this stuff was at high dollar value. Indian stuff is just outrageously priced. It always was. But so is Harley's. And it's the American motorcycle, the domestic brand. Whereas it's cheaper to get a Honda or a Suzuki or a Yamaha. Slightly cheaper because those are climbing also. But anyway, you know what? I'll leave you with that. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you guys. What am I doing here? I don't know. I'm trying to cue my music, but it's not coming. Oh, there it is. The Cycle Shack Podcast at gmail.com. 
I appreciate you guys. We'll be coming out with more content. Riding season starting soon, so be careful out there, guys. I'm Ivan Rodriguez. This is the Cycle Shack Podcast. Thank you for listening one more time. From the Hudson Valley, we're out of here. It's the Cycle Shack Podcast. <laughs>